Engineers are ingenious professionals. Engineers invent, design, verify, and qualify. Engineers are the professionals who make our lives and businesses prosperous and safe. The Florida Engineering Society is proud to put our engineering professionals in the spotlight so that they may educate, share information, and introduce you to the world of engineering that is thriving in Florida. Here's your host of the Engineering Florida podcast, Sam Yates, with today's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Florida Engineering Society, Engineering Florida. It's a very special podcast, and today, to go along with that, I have a very special guest. Scott Martin is here. Uh, Scott is the current president of the ACEC of Florida. That is the American Council of Engineering Companies. We're going to talk about that in more detail in just a few moments. But Scott is also a principal project director, design, build, a market leader for Walter P. Moore. That's the structure group out of Tampa, Florida. It's a great organization, Scott. And I've looked into some of the projects. And when I look at their projects, I get this wow factor. So along with uh, that great introduction, I'm going to say thank you and wow. Glad to have you on the program. Thanks, Sam. Glad to be here. You know, to continue on briefly about your introduction, I always put everybody on the spot first thing with that great tell me what you're all about question. So share a bit about yourself. Uh, thanks, Sam. So I'm a native Floridian. I was born and raised in Florida. I moved around the state a little bit, went to the, the University of Florida, uh, graduated in 1998. Uh, and I've been in structural engineering practice ever since then. I bounced around a few small firms and then uh, found myself at Walter P. Moore in around 2004, and I've been there ever since. Uh, and really what I've what I've focused on and what I really found a passionate around recently is uh, is collaboration, being part of a, a, a collaborative team, not just in designing buildings, and building some of the some of the most fascinating projects I think in the country, um, but also in my my time with ACEC and finding ways to to be much more collaborative across the industry. You know, I think every time I have a conversation with an engineer, whether it is here on this program or in connection with uh, some of my clients' activities, lo and behold, I turn around and there's a gator. Uh, it's got one hell of a good engineering school, I have to say. I think so. I'm pretty proud to be a gator myself. Absolutely. Let's let's switch to the the company itself that you work for. Sure. Uh, I know. I, I believe, if I recall my my homework uh, dating back to about 1931, uh, uh, headquartered in Texas. But tell us a bit about the company. Sure. So we've been in Florida for uh, God at least 30, 40 years. Um, this was the third office, I believe, Walter P. Moore opened a while ago. Um, but we're an international company. We've got, uh, I think, 17 offices nationally, um, everywhere from New York down to San Diego. Um, we've got a few international offices in Mexico City, Pune, India, Panama, and, and some in Canada. Um, and we really we specialize in structures. We've got a civil engineering group and an infrastructure group in Texas, and we do some, some of that kind of work in the middle part of the state or, or middle part of the country. Um, but we really focus on... Um, new design of structures and diagnostics of existing structures and really specializing in the whole structure of a, of a building. And that goes from not just the skeleton of, of the building, what a structural engineer would typically design, but also the enclosure, the skin, um, if the secure design for, for secure buildings, federal buildings, things like that, uh, and really how they go together even. So we've got a, a construction engineering group that really focuses on not just what a building is going to look like, but how to put it together and partnering with builders to 
to most efficiently build a building. So we're really a structure specialist is the way I like to think of us as a firm. And like you mentioned, I think we do some of the, some, some small projects, but all the way up to some of the biggest projects in the, in the country right now. You know, as I look at uh, the projects I mentioned earlier, the wow factor, tell us about some of the ones that uh, you have done here in Florida. I, I know uh, in, in your neighborhood, the, the aquarium uh, is one, the, the Buccaneers training facility is another, but uh, these are awesome, very recognizable structures that, you know, we may know it because we're talking engineering, but other people may not recognize the role that uh, you have played in those. Sure. Well we, well, we specialize in sports structures, aviation structures, higher education, and healthcare. They're are really our main four service lines. We do all project types, but those are the ones we do uh, the most of. And in my career here in Florida, I've done a lot of, of cultural facilities. I was the engineer record for the Valley Museum in St. Pete. Uh, that opened back in 2011. Um, you mentioned some of the Bucks facilities. We did the Ice Palace, which is now the uh, Tampa Bay Times Forum. Uh, we were involved with the Raymond James Stadium, not just when it was built, but also with ongoing maintenance and expansions that have happened there over the years. Uh, we did the Florida Aquarium, not just when that was built, but also as they've expanded and, and built out over the, over the years. Uh, and I, a lot of my resume is in, in higher education. I spent about 10 years doing primarily higher education work, so labs, um, student centers. Uh, I did the USF Marshall Center in Tampa. I've done a lot of work at Florida State, Florida International University, University of Tampa, uh, USF, UCF. So um, my, my resume tends to be in Florida, tends to be a lot, a lot focused on higher ed and, um, and cultural facilities. Um, but we do, we do stuff all over the country that's uh, very similar to that. And we've done, we've done most of Tampa International Airport and we've done quite a bit of work in Orlando International also. Two things pop out just as we're having this conversation one is the collaborative efforts that you're talking about which requires something called leadership and the other thing that you were mentioning is working with builders which brings up a phrase that not everybody is familiar with i am from working in that industry and it's called design build explain why design build is such a a great phrase uh, well, it's it's a new way of doing buildings. It's not that new. It's been around for quite a while. But I think more and more, uh, as the industry looks to innovate somewhat, um, I don't know how much you know about the AEC industry in general, but but building design and how buildings go together has relatively remained unchanged for, for over a century, uh, especially in the U.S. And as projects get bigger, faster, more complex, the owners want to get in the ground and they want to have their building immediately open before design is even done. Um, Owners and, and, and practitioners like myself are looking for new ways to do things. And design build is one way to do it where you're not just uh, following the traditional model of hiring a design team to design a building and then a build team to build the building, a general contractor. Um, it's bringing that team together from the beginning and having the entire design team and build team work together to figure out the best way to build the building for the owner. Um, and it's, it, 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 it can result in very successful projects that get built quickly, um, uh, certainly on time and, and everything else, uh, but it can go wrong too. It's, it's a new way of doing things. And when all parties don't understand the relationship and that it is more of a collaborative team environment, um, projects go south. And I, I know a lot of builders on some of these big, big, big projects that I find myself getting into the last five or six years, um, they've started walking away from those projects. They won't take the risk on because it's, it's too risky and, it's, and they can't figure out how to do it the right way. Um, but that's really where I've, uh, I've found my specialty the last few years is specializing in that, that collaborative type environment, that collaborative nature, and really 
when we get involved in some of these big projects, um, trying to lead from within and, and really make sure the entire team is moving the same direction and uh, collaborative from the start all the way to the end. Back to that key word, leadership, and, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. You're in that leader. Notice how I made that transition. That's you good. are in the leadership position for uh, ACEC. Tell us about the organization. So ACEC is really the, it's they specialize in the business of engineering. Mm -hmm. FES and a lot of other organizations, ASCE, FSCA, groups that I've been involved in, in, in through my career, uh, you as an engineer, as a PE, join those organizations is to be part of uh, a group that's that's like-minded and, and focused on similar goals. ACEC really represents the companies that do engineering in Florida. Uh, originally, uh, ACEC, when it was formed, was a practice session of FES. It was the they uh it was it was known as FICE and it represented the companies within FES but nationally the American Council of Engineering Companies uh has member organizations throughout the states and over the years we've transitioned within Florida uh, to really align ourselves with the American Council the National Council of Engineering Companies um, but again we really represent the business of engineering the companies that are that deliver projects and and uh and are in the engineering space and our focus is on bettering the built the uh the the business of engineering more so than just the, the engineering disciplines itself. Seven regions around the state of Florida, if I recall. That's right. It, we, it's mostly aligned the way the DOT breaks their regions up too, because we're, we do have a lot of, uh, well, we're not trying, we're not ex only a transportation company. Uh, a lot of our groups, because we have a very strong um, relationship and interface with the Florida DOT, a lot of the groups that belong to us uh, do so to have that, take advantage of that interface. Um, so we are, heavily DOT. Um, a lot of our members are, are DOT involved, but uh, not primarily so. All right, Scott, you'll have to keep me posted because one of the things that I'm watching from uh, both the DOT angle and also uh, some of my DOD and uh, Air Force uh, past history, vertiports. I know yes. that uh, in intermodal transportation, we have airports, we have reliever airports, somewhere in there, vertiports are going to be a significant factor. And we we have not even touched on background on that, but vertiports in our future, correct? Absolutely. I was in, uh, I happened to be in New York a few years ago, walking down uh, on Wall Street. And it was it was when a company called Joby was was ringing the bell on Wall Street and going public for the first time. And they had a full-scale mock-up of one of their drones. It's basically, um, the best way to describe it is an Uber for, uh, like, a, like a drone Uber. So it has four propellers, it would take off, it's got four seats in it. Um, but it's coming. I mean, the industry is there, the technology is there. A lot of the big aviation groups are investing in these companies that are uh, looking to provide these uh, flying drones for, for people. Uh, but it's definitely coming. And I know the state this year is starting to look at rules and, and laws to, uh, to help regulate that in the state. Ionic propulsion. That's all I will say. I've, I've got some things up my sleeve uh, that we'll be covering in the future. But, you know, that's all fascinating. And it's really uh, something that we all keep on our on our toes because technology is always developing. But even as we speak, our legislative leaders are in Tallahassee and they're looking at engineering from a different vantage point, And that is how can engineers help prevent what happened at Surfside. Uh, we're coming up on the anniversary of the Surfside uh, condo collapse, but what's happening in, in that arena? Because I know you're involved. Yeah, thanks for teaming up with that. Um, yeah, we've been involved. And I think uh, the legislature doesn't do anything by themselves. They're not, 
a lot of them come from different backgrounds and not all lawyers, um, but they do count on the, the, the industry to help inform them on what laws need to be passed. And that's what happened a couple of years ago. Um, last year, the governor signed into law um, what was called Senate Bill 4D at the time, uh, but that was the Condo Safety Inspection Act. And that was based on a white paper that uh, a group that I was involved in, that I was the chair of, uh, which we called the Surfside Working Group. Um, we produced a white paper that um, really explained to the state what needed to happen. Um, it was a, a working group that the leadership at FES and ACEC brought together. We brought together industry professionals from uh, the American Society of Civil Engineers, the Florida Structural Engineers Association, the American Institute of Architects, um, the Concrete Repair Institute, and um, I feel like I'm leaving one. I am the building officials of Florida. Uh, but we brought all these professionals together and really talked through as building professionals, what needed to happen to prevent this from happening again. And so we, we put together a white paper that the legislature um, used heavily in drafting Senate Bill 4D. So a lot of the language around phase one, phase two inspections, getting building professionals in there to look at the buildings on, on certain timeframes, um, which Miami-Dade and Broward County already had this program in place to do something very similar, right. um, but making this a statewide initiative so that there's, there's no question that the buildings we live in in Florida uh, should be considered safe. And there, should, there won't be a questions from the insurance industry like it popped up over the last few years uh, on if they can insure the buildings in Florida because they want to make they want to have some they want to have some kind of surety that uh, the buildings that they're insuring are structurally sound. And I think that's also where the National Institute of Standards and Technology comes in, because right. we really don't have anything. We look at it very seriously here in Florida because. We're used to hurricanes and other things, but from a, a national standpoint, there there really needs to be some sort of standard for uh, buildings to monitor them and, and make sure that they are sound. And most sophisticated owners understand that and they do that themselves. And you mentioned the NIST. They're very much like the NTSB, where after a, a, a collapse, they're going to come in and look at it. And they're going to spend years looking at every single piece of what happened and, and uh, make sure that the, that the public knows why that happened. The same thing happened, happened after 9-11 with uh, the trade towers and NIST looked at it. Um, but that's really retroactive. Proactively, we want to be out ahead of that. And I think we do have in Florida one of the strongest building codes in the country. Um, but we absolutely engineers, building professionals that we all look at it constantly to make sure we, we, we stay on top of the latest technologies and we keep the, uh, the latest technologies informing how we design our buildings. You know, and I, I have to say for our audience, sometimes I do a little aside uh, just to, to share a little information. I look out my window uh, here on the banks of the St. Lucie River in Stewart, Florida, on the uh, east coast of Florida, and I'm looking at a bridge. It's uh, the Roosevelt Bridge over the St. Lucie River, and people drive over that bridge each and every day. It had a problem a number of months ago. They don't realize that there are acoustic monitors inside the core of that bridge decking to make sure that if there are any changes happening that could jeopardize the structural integrity of that bridge, a warning goes out. And, you know, sometimes behind the scenes, engineers are working in ways that most normal people don't even know about. I think one of our one of our slogans that we've tried to use with FES is engineering the the everyday and the extraordinary. And it's it's not just the the really cool buildings. It's not just the the fascinating things, but it's when the water comes on in your tap, when the toilet flushes, that's all based on the, the engineering infrastructure that, uh, that we as a, as a society and, and as, a, as a species have developed over the last uh, few thousand years. 
You know, when that uh, white paper that you referenced came out, uh, I couldn't wait to get my hands on it uh, because it, it interests me as a former news person. And, and some people say once a, a reporter, always a reporter. But so many questions were left out there after uh, the Champlain Tower collapse. And another white paper that I came across, and I guess I should clarify it uh, in calling it a white paper, it was called a white paper on speculation that and went into speculative details that perhaps one of the factors, not the factor, but a factor for the Champlain Tower collapse could have been a change uh, in climate causing a sea level rise and therefore the water, the fresh water on top of seawater corrupted some of the structural integrity. Uh, Nothing is left unturned when it comes to investigations like this. Is that a fair statement? That's why the NIST spends years doing this, and they have at least seven or eight teams looking at different facets of um, of what could have been the cause. That could be one um, with any kind of structural collapse, uh, and and whenever that ha- whenever a collapse happens, that's usually when you hear about structural engineers and what caused it. There's very very often more than one thing that happens, and I'm sure that's going to be the case that the NIST is going to figure out in this situation. Um, Usually, it's not one thing, and I, I, I would, I would, I'll go out and say that it, it wasn't just climate change. There, there were a lot of problems with with a lot of buildings in Florida, um, but by no means is it uh, is it purely that. But climate change is definitely affecting a lot of a lot of what we see as as people living in the state. Um, I, I would think that it's a lot more relevant to uh, issues like um, the strength of hurricanes and the frequency of hurricanes and and sea level rise and storm surge and um, some of the problems that came that the state faced after Hurricane Ian, uh, I would say that, that sea level rise and, and climate change had a much bigger part to play there than on the Champlain Towers collapse. You know, I know that uh, the NIST in particular, uh, as recent as uh, October, November timeframe of 2022, is still saying to anybody uh, in Florida or wherever you might be from, if you have photographs or video before that collapse, Please share it with us because they want to establish that database. And and that's uh, very much what engineering is all about, creating uh, something that you can look into and and pull the clues out uh, is exactly what what happens. But what happens now to all those other buildings that we have in the state as far as inspections? Uh, Are they on a schedule? I know Miami-Dade, but what about everything else? On a schedule to be inspected? Well, most owners like, you know, some of the big owners like power companies, Disney, airports, commercial office owners, they, they understand that the buildings, that buildings need maintenance over time. We, we can only do so much when we build a building to begin with. But over time, if a building is going to last 60, 70 years, you've got to have professionals out there looking at it and making sure that all the systems that were installed 60 years ago are still doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's not just the structure of the building. It's also the enclosure, the envelope, um, making sure water doesn't get inside the building and, and cause damage. Um, so most building owners know that the, the challenge has been and really where Champlain Towers falls in uh, is you've got condo owners who are not just one owner and not sophisticated in knowing exactly how buildings work. They're homeowners and they they may not have been there when the, built, the condo was built. They may have bought it when the building was 30 years old uh, and they're inheriting a lot of uh, lack of maintenance over the years. So it's what, what the Senate and the, and the legislature tried to do this last year was. Um, put in place rules for condos, because that's really where uh, it seems there's the gap in, in building ownership and maintaining your buildings. 
and giving them some rules to, to have building professionals come in and look at the buildings. And we're not there yet. There's still, um, there's still some bill language being cleaned up this year. There's some, there's some tweaks that are going to happen to what was passed last year with Senate Bill 4D. Um, but I feel like we're going to get there as a state. I think we're talking about it in the right ways. I think we're, we're over the last year as, as the bill was passed, uh, I think a lot of the right questions are being asked and we're, we're going to end up with a system in place that will make all the buildings in Florida much more safe in the decades to come. A little sidebar to what you were just saying about uh, condo owners being homeowners who happen to live in a building that is stacked up. Um, Interesting interview with a developer, a capital investment company uh, developer in Dade County recently. And they, as a capital company looking to continue a a multi-billion dollar uh, building surge in uh, the Dade County area, are looking at those aged condos that may need repair, may need something, and the uh, individual condo tenants don't either know how to do it, can't afford it, or don't have the interest, and they're buying them and repurposing them. So the big question, I guess, that comes up, when and if they rebuild, they will have to rebuild to current viable standards, not what we did some 30, 40 years ago. That's right. And the building code these days is a lot when I started doing this back in the 90s, uh, the, the Southern Standard Building Code that, mo- that much of Florida used was maybe one, two inches thick. And now the Florida Building Code is, is much bigger than that volumes. And again, we update codes to represent the best knowledge we've got about how buildings should go together from all aspects. So anything built currently uh, is going to be much more able to withstand Florida's current environment than anything built that was 30, 40 years old. You know, as we're doing our interview, sometimes I... Uh, always wait to the last minute to say, Scott, I know that there may be people listening right now who are members of the Florida Engineering Society, or this program gets passed on to uh, many different outlets. So there could be someone right now that says, hey, I want to reach out to Scott because his company is that single source that I want to partner with to do my next project. How may they do that? Um, well, you can get us through our website. Uh, and we, again, we've got offices all over the country. So if you're listening to this and you're not necessarily in Florida, um, we've got offices in, in all over the Southeast, uh, the, the South, the West Coast, East Coast. Um, so WalterPMore.com is the best way to, to find out about us. And there's contact links on there for our, our local market leaders in different, different markets. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of us. Next question is an easy one, I hope. I haven't been sure. turned down on it yet. Will you be able to come back for a future episode? Absolutely. I'd love to. For ACEC, some of these individual engineers may be part of a larger firm. They should be part of your organization. How to do that? But ACEC of Florida is acecfl.org. Um, it's our new website that we we ramped up last year. It's been revamped. Um, but you can contact us through that. You can join the organization through that. And um, we're really looking forward to, to bringing more engineering firms together. Um, one thing we didn't really touch on yet um, is one thing we're trying to do as FES and ACEC this year is to bring other organizations together. Uh, the Surfside Working Group, having all those groups come together and, and have an impactful work product um, that was able to inform the public and the legislature what should be done after Surfside. Um, we really want to build off that, off that momentum. And so we're starting a new journal called Engineering Florida. It's a partnership, not just with ACEC and FES, but also with a few other engineering organizations. ASE is a part of that, FSCA, 
SMPS, ASHE, uh, and a few others. So um, look for that across the state. Um, if you're willing, if you're interested in partnering with us, finding out more about that, that'll be online uh, in, the, in the coming months. Um, and again, acecflorida.org, acecfl.org uh, is a great way to find out more about ACEC of Florida. Scott, I want you to know I'm doing my part as a board of director representative for the Gold Coast Builders Association of trying to bring builders uh, within our organization together with the engineering side of things. I think that uh, creating the dialogue is something that is tremendously important. So I have volunteered to do my part, and I'm hoping to, to continue to do that. Before we wrap up, because I always keep a close eye on time because uh, that is very important for everyone, uh, hurricanes. I know you said you could come back at a future Sure. Uh, so, but we have a lot to talk about. Hurricanes among them. No problem. But I think hurricanes in general, um, it's it's a, it's a growing risk. I mean, it's it's always been a risk in Florida. But I think the way we've developed the state, uh, and you can you can look at it from a lot of different ways, from from clearing mangroves to put development in, to building on barrier islands, to um, to the infrastructure that we have built to keep storm surge out and things like that. I think as as climate change continues to have an, a, a growing impact on the, the intensity of storms, I think we're gonna figure a lot more out and we're gonna take a lot more uh, proactive, um, we'll make a lot more proactive changes to, to hopefully change how we're building in the state to keep keep more, not just lives safe, but, but properties safe. Just another extraordinary duty of engineers in Florida with an engineer extraordinaire, Scott Martin. Ladies and gentlemen, we've learned an awful lot again in our program today. Scott, thank you for being here. I appreciate it, Sam. Thanks for having me. Great. Until our next episode of the Florida Engineering Society, Engineering Florida, I'm your host, Sam Yates. Have a great day, everybody. for listening to another informative episode of the Engineering Florida podcast. Our goal is to help educate and inform everyone who listens to our podcast about our members and topics of interest to the Florida Engineering Society. On behalf of the Florida Engineering Society and the Engineering Florida podcast, have a great day, everybody. Everybody.